it's an extra special day because somebody else is with us today. Who? For the first time in a long well, time. Well, hold on. We haven't even done the intro, dude. What <laughs> well, are you doing? Come on, what are you, what are you doing? doing? Well, come on. I, you haven't shut up for me to Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. I am Robin O, and with me today is Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And hey, look who it is. It is Steve Barkley sitting to my immediate right. What? Why am I here? Who are you people? Who uh, are you? Yeah, look, so where have you been? I've been fishing and camping and uh, camping and fishing. All right, and where do you go? Well, the the first week was the big family camping trip. That was up in uh, Golden Ears Provincial Park at the oh. Alouette Lake campsite. Very nice. And that was just uh, family. And then uh, my my buddy has his thirty uh, foot fishing boat out the uh, outside of Vancouver Island. Uh, this year he had it just uh, near the mouth of Barclay Sound. Not named for me, but uh, but you know it should have been. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we were at a place called Poet's Nook, which was beautiful. Had a lovely little harbor with like a, a narrow channel that led out into uh, Barclay Sound. And you could cruise from there to the outside of the island. If the weather was good, you could go offshore fishing. And we found where the salmons were and we slayed them buggers. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you, you caught a lot. Uh, limited out actually on both coho and uh, spring salmon. Wow. Yeah. So uh, that's... Uh, Two or four, two two fish per day per person, uh, and then you can have an aggregate limit for transport of four of each, uh, so four coho, four spring. Uh, so we limited out on that stuff. We got uh, a bunch of big halibuts uh, off the bottom. We got some rock cod, some ling cod. And then after the first week, we came home, uh, cut it all up, put it in the freezer, and then went back and did it all over again. Wow. So I've got enough fish in my freezer now to feed me for, well, a good long time. <laughs> like the winter? Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's good. Although I have to say, as somebody who enjoys making fun of Trump, you picked the wrong weeks to go camping. Yeah, did I? What did I miss? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing much. Yeah, yeah. his whole inner cabin is gone, pretty much, but... <laughs> Well, they were a little gone when they walked in. Wow, there. that's true too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't we we don't even have time to mock him. So to be honest, mock, so mock. he so he finally came through with his campaign promise of draining the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yep. yeah, at a boy, at a boy. He's just following through on his commitments. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you you uh, you missed some good shows though. I have to say, we we uh, me and Ryan were here working hard. Yeah, slaving away. Slaving away. We yeah, we had talked to Kyle Bryant. That was a good show. We talked to uh, who else? We talked to Ryan. Guy Hassan from Comics and Power. That was interesting. Right, saw that one. Uh, oh God, now I have to think back a few weeks. Don't worry, we're there, there's no memory oh, tests. Yeah, we, we also uh, had Nelson Rago from Cool Blind Tech on. 
That's right. And we, and uh, the the folks from from uh, Ira. Yep. Ira. Which is uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting subscription service that uh, that uses the Google Glass as a uh, oh as a platform. right 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 gotcha. And they have their live agents. And- yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you have to go back and listen. I guess I must. Mm-hmm. More to come. What are we doing today, Ryan? Today we are talking with Jessica Kovacs, who is the mother and blogger of a child who has a rare eye condition. So that's it? We have nothing else to talk about? There was an eclipse we today. We still have 10 minutes. That's right. There was an eclipse today. And I, I didn't got, see it. And I got to see it and everything. Now, did you notice all the that article going around about how... Oh, geez, and I don't remember who was doing it, but somebody was, they, they were making it so that blind people could experience the eclipse through, well, I guess, there was a audio couple description? App. Yeah, there was a couple apps. Eclipse Soundscape was the name of one app that people were talking about, and I actually couldn't find it on the Play Store. Oh, really? Though somebody said it was That's there. Um, so I, you know, if people have any feedback on that app, it'd be great to let us know how that worked out. So what does it do? It just goes darker? Darker. Yeah, I don't know. Darker. <laughs> Darkest. <laughs> later, 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 later. Look, there's an idiot looking at it without glasses. Uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to, to hear how that mm-hmm. how that worked. So we'll have to see if anybody uh, wants to drop us a line and let us know. I wonder how many people actually do go blind looking at eclipses. Like, do you I think it's know. common? I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I've never heard of anybody. I wonder how many animals go blind because they tell you not to let your animals no, look because, at the sun either. Yeah, but the animals aren't stupid. They're not going <laughs> to look at the sun. They, they don't care. They don't care if it's getting a little bit dark. Well, there was so much run up to this eclipse. You know, people were traveling thousands of miles to get down to the prime locations to see this thing. So, yeah. you know, you got all these people looking up at the sky. I, I, had people, I had people on my Facebook feed complaining that, you know, they went to the planetariums or whatever and they were out of the glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess, yeah, people are taking it really seriously. I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed. I mean, it was neat, but... Did you have the glasses? I had the glasses. Did and you? I was just like, okay, it's a big black spot <laughs> on the sun. There's a little black spot on the, the sun, sun today. today. Something, something, something. It's the same old thing, thing as, as yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> That's the musical portion of the program. That's right. Name that tune. That's King of Pain by The Police. Wow. That's good. Although That's... I really loved um, Weird Al Yankovic's version of it called King of Suede. <laughs> that was good too. And it's a good thing that Google Home was turned off or Steve would have it playing it right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. What are you turning off our host for? Well, if I'm going to have him on, then he's got to be sitting on the table with a mic in front well, of him. Well, we should really do that. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Why yeah. not? People seem to have enjoyed that show. All so. right. Well, next week's a new show, so we'll bring him out. Yep. What's with people putting hashtags on their Facebook posts? Does Facebook recognize hashtags? It does now, yeah. It yeah. does, eh? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure about that. And I was like, why are people doing this? Uh, yeah. Holy shit. Some people are taking it to oh, extremes. It's I literally, annoying. literally like 30 hashtags yeah. on one post. It's like, annoying. it's just like, what the hell are yeah. you doing? Hashtag. I can't believe this is another hashtag. Exactly. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Right. No, I didn't think it was supported yet, but okay. That would explain it. Yeah. Some people take the whole hashtag thing way too far. 
way too far. In fact, it's just going to get to the point where hashtags are just, they're, they're essentially rendered useless because... Well, and I think with Facebook, people are just doing it because with Twitter, you're limited to 140 characters, right? So you get two, maybe yeah, three exactly, hashtags in their exactly. Facebook. You can have a page worth of hashtags if you exactly. want. Exactly. So yeah, people yeah. never learn. People always ruin stuff. We're going back we to have MySpace. a great idea, and then they just ruin it. Yep. Let's go back to MSN chat. We can do that. Oh yeah, or uh, remember uh, what was that one? ICQ. 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 Yeah. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> ICQ. I wonder if that's still around. Probably. The Twit Network they probably got folded into uh, AOL Messenger. The Twit Network is still using IRC. Are they? Yeah, for nice. for their their chats or live shows and stuff. IRC.twit.tv. So I'll go back to using ICQ and load up some EverQuest. <laughs> okay, so joining us today is Jessica Kovacs. Uh, Jessica writes a blog called Thomas Marshall Does It All, uh, where she documents the day-to-day life with her son, who was born with a rare eye condition. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. So you're in, uh, where, where are you, Jessica? I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So you are a Penguins fan. Yes. Good for you. Must be nice to have a <laughs> hockey team that actually does stuff occasionally. You know, like goes Win. on cup runs and wins yeah. cups. And... Two years in a row. Pretty good. <laughs> Well, you can rub it in. Well, we're in Van- <laughs> yeah, we're in Vancouver, Ed, so it's just sad. We just yeah. we just have a hockey team, so we have an excuse to riot every once in a while. That's right. <laughs> so, Jessica, tell us a little bit about the blog uh, and how it all got started, and who this Thomas Marshall guy is. Okay, um, let's see, Tom. I had him in two thousand nine. And he was unique from the day he was born. Doctors immediately knew there was something different about him. And so it, it was just very untraditional parenting experience from like day one. Like there was never that lull. It was always like, what's going on? How is this going to work? I mean, we didn't know what his medical conditions were, but we knew that there were conditions there. So, um, basically it grew out, the blog grew out of, you know, Tom's life and being his mom. Uh, it was, there was so much different about him, I guess about like, not different about him, but different in the parenting experience. And, um, there was so much information that I felt like I wasn't getting it. Like, I wish I had known this stuff earlier, you know? Right. And there's so many great resources, but sometimes you don't find out about them until your child has passed them. So I really wanted to tell Tom's story. I wanted to help other parents and get good information out there and just, you know, make it easier for other parents and other kids like Tom to get the resources they need. And maybe just see that, you know, even if you have a visual impairment from day one, you can be a happy child and live a great life and do lots of cool stuff. Now, tell us a little bit about his his actual condition. Tom has bilateral persistent fetal vasculature syndrome. So um, they used to call it PHPV. Um, but basically, 
his eyes did not develop correctly. Um, I guess in like the vitreous of the eye, which is like the gel that gives the middle of your eye form and shape. Um, when your eye is developing, that is filled with vasculature as it grows to nourish the growing eye. And at a certain point in development, that should um, dissolve away. But in him, it didn't. It persisted. Right. So that's the persistent fetal vasculature I, you know, of the name. So that vasculature stays there and it um, makes it cloudy. And it, um, in his case, and this happens often, it um, creates scar tissue and attaches onto the retina and pulls it off the back of the eye. So he was born with detached retinas. Oh, wow. So is it is it a rare condition? It's rare to have it as severe as he has and to have it bilateral. Um, I think like when people have cataracts, which are common, like pe- when children are born with cataracts, it's not, you know, it can come with that pretty often. And I think sometimes uh, in general, it's it's fairly rare. I, we really had to go to specialists to find someone who had seen it and knew what to do with it. It's like the type of thing sometimes doctors are like, oh, I can't wait to get in there and see. <laughs> it's like, yeah, please don't. <laughs> Is Thomas your only child? Actually, I just had a baby five months ago. Oh, wow. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So he's got a little sister now. Aww. Nice. And happy yeah. and healthy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So now, does he have uh, any sort of light perception, or is he completely blind? Um, he is completely blind these days. Uh, he had, uh, let's see, five vitrectomy surgeries in Detroit, Michigan. We went to a doctor called Dr. Capone. Uh, Dr. Capone and Dr. Treese are the experts in uh, persistent fetal vasculature. So, um, like, people go to see them from, like, all over the world. They're incredible and both just really great people as well. So, uh, we were lucky that, you know, his, um, I mean, his eyes are really severe and they were able to sort of stabilize things and he did have light perception. And I think, you know, some level of sight, no matter how, you know, rudimentary for a while, but, um, he did develop glaucoma which uh, took away anything he had gained. But we're very lucky in that he still has his eyes because a lot of uh, children with this condition, uh, their eyes tend to, like at his level of severity, they tend to um, need their eyes removed. And so will the condition, has the condition stabilized now? Like it it won't, you know, there's really going to be no more activity or is is it something that he's going to sort of have to deal with for the rest of his life? to deal with it you know the rest of his life he'll have to you know keep an eye on it and we just go uh he has an exam under anesthesia to make sure the retinas you know still settled make sure the glaucoma is still you know uh being treated and um basically he just does eye drops every day he hasn't had a surgery in probably like four years right uh for glaucoma um but he's been stable and we're feel really lucky Tell us a little bit about why you started the blog initially. And- uh, a lot of when I first started it, uh, it was when he was going through all his glaucoma surgeries. So I was trying to, you know, update my friends and family and, you know, 
it can be a hard conversation to have and have it like 12 times. Right. <laughs> so it just seemed like a good idea to start a blog and that way everyone could be updated. Everyone could just like see a picture of him. Look, he's doing great. Look, he's fine, you know. And uh, also, you know, share our experience with other people that might be going through it because I know when he was first diagnosed, I mean, what's everyone do? They get on Google and start trying to find information. Right. And um, all the information was either extremely dry medical information from like medical journals. And there was no example of like a family that just was living with this. And what would that be like? So I thought we could be that family. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's so important, too, because, you know, like you said, it's one thing to just find a bunch of medical descriptions. But if you don't have any examples of how people are actually living their day to day life with a condition like that, you know, you're you you still feel like you're kind of working in the dark. So so it's incredibly valuable for sure. Definitely, because I know I could have used it when Tom was diagnosed, because, I mean, everything I know they it's not the doctor's fault because they only see, I mean, you, you think they see you when you're in the office. They don't get to know these kids. They don't know what they're capable of. Right. So, I mean, if you looked at all of Tom's diagnoses, and he has a lot, <laughs> I mean, you would have no picture of what he is and what he can do as a person, you know? Were, were there any advocacy groups that you could go to as a, as a parent of a blind kid to, you know, get some help yeah. and some insight into what to expect? Um, there are, we have done some, uh, worked with the national federation of the blind a little bit. And in our local area, we have a school for blind children and that's where Tom started his education at. So he went to preschool there. So those were both two organizations that really helped us sort of, you know, get our feet under us, get, our heads around the idea of like blindness and what it could mean and, you know, all the cool opportunities that exist for blind people. Uh, did you guys get any like sort of, uh, um, did they supply any equipment for you guys or were you guys on the hook for any sort of, um, brailers or canes or anything like that? Um, we got our first cane, uh, from the national federation of the blind. You can, uh, get a new free cane from them every uh, six months. So when Tom was like, I don't know, like around a year and a half, that's when he really started walking. And I was like, well, I guess I'll need a cane. And um, that's when he had been, uh, you know, in early intervention services since he was like, you know, two months old. And he worked with a teacher of the visually impaired that came to our house once, you know, once a week. But she was not uh, certified in orientation and mobility. So I got, um, I, you know, made a request to get one who was certified. And I know they thought that was sort of weird because he's so young. And I'm like, well, he is a really active kid. He wants to go. Like he was banging and crashing into everything. And I was like, (laughs) we need to get him some uh, skills so that he doesn't, you know, (laughs) have black eyes all the time or something. Well, I I would think, too, that's something that you want to encourage, even, you know, especially at a young age like that, because the more independent he can feel, even at a young age, that's going to carry through. Exactly. And I always want him to feel like he's in control and like not held back in any way. So um, 
we started O and M about that time with um, let's see uh, the guy. It switched to a guy, and he was he was very different. It's like the first teacher was um, an older lady who was very sweet, but she was very like nurturing, babying a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. And this new guy, he was like, Tom, it's time to go to work. Let's get <laughs> you know? And at first, Tom was like, what the heck? I don't want this, you know? <laughs> and um, it was a bit of an adjustment for him, but it was a wonderful change. And I saw so much development. And um, he became a confident little cane user pretty quickly. Awesome. I also noticed on uh, your blog site, uh, there was a mention of uh, echolocation. Yes. Um, I've always been interested since I found out about Daniel Kish yep. and uh, his how he's honed his echolocation abilities. And um, one of Tom's previous orientation mobility instructors at his... Um, when he was at the school for blind children, she told me that she thought he was doing a little bit of echolocation. I don't notice much of it, but um, I think when he gets a little older, we would like to try and get him involved with uh, Daniel Kish's organization for some training. Yeah, Daniel's come up here and he's done a number of workshops on it. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch Dan at work. It is. It's amazing. Just from what I've seen online, and I would love to have him have that you know tool so can can somebody explain what echolocation is for anyone who might not be familiar with it um essentially it's uh um using sound to uh to try and uh, shape out the space that you're in um so yeah you might do it with like a click uh, like that or something and uh and then you're you're looking for that sound coming back being reflected off of objects is he now? And Daniel is—is is he the only guy that that does that in North America? Oh no, no, no. There's there's all kinds of people who do it, and and there's been some really famous uh, cases of people who who just did it kind of naturally. You know, Ray Charles was one of those people. Um, you know, he he would walk around without a cane all the time and just, you know, listening to his shoes clicking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so you mentioned that that Tommy went to a uh, school for the blind. Uh, initially, is he in public school now? He is. He's just starting his second year of public school. He's going to, into first grade. And how's that experience been for you guys? Um, it's been good. I mean, his whole educational career, I can honestly say that it has been, um, it's, it's been way better than I expected because you hear a lot of horror stories of people not getting the services they need. And um, he's had a lot of dedicated teachers and a lot of great resources, for sure. Uh, We started the School for Blind Children. We started going to, like, a play group there when he was a toddler. And when he turned three, he started going to uh, preschool there. So he went there. He did, like, two, two, three years of preschool, one year of uh, kindergarten there. And then I transferred him to public school and he did another year of kindergarten there just to ease him into the whole, you know, different situation. Uh, Because his old school, he was in a class of uh, like six or seven kids who were all uh, blind. Right. Right. And to go into, you know, 
a whole school that's huge with so many kids, so many sounds, so much bigger. I wanted him to, you know, not, you know, be have so much academic pressure of first grade, which sounds silly, but it is these days, um, sort of ease his way into it. What, what kind of class size is he in now? What he does now, he is in um, like an intensive learning support classroom for part of the day where he works one-on-one with a teacher and in small groups. And then he spends uh, another uh, portion of the day in with uh, his uh, regular age peers. I know a lot of people aren't uh, 100% inclusion with the regular peers, but, um, you know, Tom, this is what works for him. And I think the whole individual in individual education plan is what, you know, what works for your child instead of what is like the goal of the greater, you know, right. what people think is the best. I think it has to be what is the best for your child. And, um, We've seen a lot of growth and development in him in the year he's been in public school. I'm I'm really glad I made the choice to move him there because um, the old school he was in, the school for blind children, it was um, mostly for kids who are multiply handicapped. And Tom does have, um, you know, developmental delays, so he does have additional diagnoses, but um, that was more of a, like, 100% life skills Uh, learning at that school, whereas I wanted him to have the opportunity to, you know, go as far as possible in a public school. So I'm always kind of fascinated with, especially with blogging, um, in terms of just how much it can really sort of help people who are going through specific things in their own life, while at the same time uh, contributing to sort of an online community. Have you have you found that with the blog? Like, have you found that it really it's sort of enhanced what you've been going through as well as you've been getting a lot of feedback from the community as well? I would definitely say so. I mean, we've got a lot of opportunities that came to us through the blog. Um, with the Perkins School for the Blind, we participated in this thing called their Backpacking Smart Brailler uh, giveaway a couple years ago. This is when the Perkins... Um, school first introduced the smart brailler right so that's i don't know if i'll just describe it it's a regular brailler but it has like a little computer interface on it so whatever you're typing um it'll give you the audio feedback right so tom was one of the first kids to be able to try that out so like the Basically, that came to us. Um, he got to try it out for like two weeks. I blogged about it, and then we mailed it off to the next family to try. And in the end, one family got to win it. We didn't end up winning it, but um, we did uh, crowdfunding for. They gave us, you know, the opportunity to get like a reduced cost one, and uh, we were able to crowdfund like two thousand dollars in about twelve hours. It was oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was great. And Tom still uses that brailler. Uh, is that the main brailler that he uses? It is. Yeah, he took it to his school last year. And then after they saw how great he did with it, they bought one for him to use at school. So now we have one at home. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it's funny because the school, uh, 
the uh, what do you call it? Our intermediate unit, that's who uh, is contracted to provide those services to our school districts. And I guess the head of it was not a big fan of the smart brailers. But, um, you know, just like how I said about the individual, I think you have to say, this is what works for Tom. And luckily, we had one to give it a try because they did not want to buy them. Right. For Tom, just like having that extra feedback of the audio was like, it was so important to him. Like the way he uses it now, they make him do some work and his reward is then they'll let him use it with the audio feedback. <laughs> so yeah, well, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's very much the same here too. I mean, agencies here will, will often, I mean, they, they have the products that they like and that's generally the, the products that they'll supply to the users. And mm-hmm. even if that particular product doesn't necessarily work the greatest for for a user, that's just that's what they deal with, and they won't necessarily look at other products. Well, up, up here they actually did look at the Perkins uh, smart brailler, and they they ended up not going with it because of issues that they had with it. Uh, in the early going, um, they they had problems with the cases breaking on them and uh, various mechanical issues. So. They uh, they decided to go with the uh, the Mountbatten brailer here instead, which is a, an, an electronic uh, brailer. So they either use the standard Perkins Classic or or the Mountbatten brailer. Yeah, I know that Mountbatten is supposed to be really great too. Um, he had already been working on the Perkins brailer, so this is just where we ended up. But it's been it's been good for him. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, it basically it comes down to whatever is going to work the best. Yep. That's that's really the key. And so, you know, agencies are very detached from that whole process in terms of, I mean, they're just looking at the product. They're just looking at, you know, crunching numbers or whatever. Their relationships with different manufacturers, they don't always necessarily key into the end user and what they're going to be comfortable with, unfortunately. But yeah, that's definitely been one advantage of the blog to get to try that, you know, see what it would be like for him. Because you're right. I mean, where I can't just go down to like the Apple store and try a brailer out. So, right. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's tricky. And all those brailers, like all that equipment is so expensive, too. Oh, yeah, it's outrageous. But mind you, there is hope because uh, uh, there there are some things that they're tr- they're working on right now. It's a couple brailers that uh, they're trying to bring in at a much lower price point. There's some different technology. Yeah, I keep seeing amazing things. Like I'm always getting people sending me links about um, new technologies that are in development. So uh, I feel like Tom is lucky to be, you know born visually impaired at this time in history because he's just going to see so many new things coming uh, available. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. And we've said that here on the podcast as well as that, you know, in general, I mean, assistive technology is is so much better these days than it was even 20 years ago. Let alone 100. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because when we did his last... uh, IEP uh, revisions, I was saying, well, let's put some technology goals in there. And it's funny because I think most people are not putting those in there for a kindergartner. But, um, you know, when you're visually impaired, you have to be, you know, up on technology from day one. 
Yeah, and part of it is yeah, going to depend on the kid too, right? You know, some kids are going to be able to embrace technology earlier on than than others, and you know, if you've got that kid who's, you know, really motivated to uh, to use technology, then why slow him down? Yeah, it. Tom is an interesting kid because he is like, he shows his abilities. They're like on. A range of ages like in some ways he's very advanced in other ways he is um he's behind so it's like you never really know with him so I just like sort of assume competence and push for the most I can you know I feel like that's the best I can do is to make sure that he gets exposure to all these things and then we'll just you know we'll see where he ends up and so, um, from the sounds of it, obviously, you are a big advocate of Braille literacy, um, because there, there is a debate these days about, you know, be, because screen readers and uh, text-to-speech options are, you know, so prevalent, um, some people argue that Braille is sort of dying. Um, yeah, we call those people morons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, find that to I have sort of I have strong opinions crazy. around Braille. <laughs> um, I, uh, for work, I'm a proofreader and copywriter, so I can't imagine letting my child be illiterate, and that's right. what he would be if he could not read and write Braille. Right. Right. I mean, I would never accept that for any other child, so there's no way I would accept that for Tom just because he happens to be blind. And the fact that he has, you know, additional disabilities, I mean, there are kids with many different conditions that learn to read and write. Just because he'll be doing it in Braille, that's just the medium he'll use to become literate. I just, it seems like, I guess, you know, if you're looking at it from the outside, you might think, why would you need it? But when you truly understand that Braille is just how someone reads, I don't, I don't see how you could argue against it. Yeah, we're yeah. baffled by that too. Oh, Although I think, Although I, I think, I, I don't think, think the debate quite rages as powerful as it did, say, five years ago. It goes in fits and starts. It's weird because it it, it, te- it seems to crop up every time there's a new technological advance, and you know the most recent thing that I think has brought it to the forefront is uh, iPads and and uh, tablet computing because you can you can get really cheap tech now with speech on it. You know, and yeah. uh, and every time that speech technology gets cheaper, people go, "Oh, well, do we really need Braille?" It's yes, you really need Braille. <laughs> there, there are strong reasons for why you need Braille, and um, but uh, but yeah, every every it seems like every time you know there's an advancement in speech technology, it crops up again. Yeah, I I know people always think like, "Oh, you know, this is better. It's more exciting. It's more you know." You don't have to do that must be clunky learning Braille. And it's like, well, you know, I'm sure it's not so fun to learn to read in any ways. You know, kids don't maybe want to do that. But, you know, it's just a part of life. You have to learn to do that. And just the educational benefits and the potential for, you know, how far you can take your education. I just I don't it's a shame that people, you know, were and probably still are graduating high school that are visually impaired and you know, are functionally illiterate because without Braille, that's what you would be. Yeah. The ones that, the ones that I I worry about the most are the ones who have eye conditions where, 
you know, when they're going through school, their vision is okay and it supports, you know, large print and, and, you know, maybe they have some assistance with speech output as well. But a lot of, a lot of schools don't look at the, the long term for, for these kids and they, they don't consider the fact that, okay, you know, this kid has got vision now, but when this kid is 40, odds are, you know, they, they might have no vision at all. And it's those kids who are leaving the school system without any kind of Braille education that, that I worry about uh, the Exactly. Most. Those are the kids that are really in the danger zone. Yeah. But I, it's funny that Tom has no vision. And I did have people who were blindness professionals telling me if he is a Braille reader. And I'm like, Whoa. there's really Whoa. no if about it. <laughs> wow. Interesting. What? So they're, they're not even pushing Braille. That's scary. It can be. And I think just because most kids, you know, are not even still learning Braille enough that like a lot of Braille teachers don't, they're rusty, you know, they're not using it. Yeah. And there's, uh, I, you know, I don't know what it is like in, uh, in Pittsburgh, but uh, certainly here in Canada, there's, there's never enough teachers to teach, uh, to teach Braille. There's always a shortage. Yeah, right now we're pretty lucky. Uh, the University of Pittsburgh here has a teacher of the visually impaired uh, graduate program. Mm -hmm. So there tends to be enough in our area. But I know that, you know, it's a problem throughout the country that like, especially in more rural areas, there just there aren't any sometimes there'll be like one for an entire county. Yep, that's yep. not a lot of Braille lot instruction of per instruction. student. No, certainly not. Uh, Tom gets, let's see, like at least an hour a day every day with a teacher of the visually impaired. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. See, and then it certainly doesn't help people that that the cost of of the equipment to actually learn Braille without instruction is so expensive that you know it's almost unaffordable as well. It is, and. Uh, and like as a parent, it can be very intimidating, the idea of Braille, um, because I mean, I have a lot of people that were buying Tom books and saying, oh, well, you can just Braille over them. I'm like, I am not a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a lot. And I would hate to think that like I would make some sort of mistake and then he's trying to learn and I'm <laughs> making it worse for him. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, people don't think of that part. It, now, the smart brailler is that is that the main piece of assistive technology that Tommy uses, or do you have other stuff as well that you use on a day to day basis? Um, I would say that's the main one. He is um, he was using an FM system at his old school. And, you know, the type of thing where, like, the teacher has the one thing that's like a microphone, and then he would have, like, a receiver so that he gets her voice directly in his ear. Oh, okay. And um, they trialed that for a while at his old school um, because some of the other children in his class had, like, you know, sort of, like, repetitive sounds that they were doing, and he found that really hard to work through, and it was very distracting. He could be easily distracted by sounds. So that sort of helped cut through the clutter and keep, you know, him focused on his lessons. And uh, when we switched to public school, we did continue on with an FM system, but he hasn't really needed it here. But it was a good, um, good tool for him when he needed it. 
what does Tommy what think is, of the blog? You know, he's sort of um, uninterested in it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Just something mom does. He's, you know, he's not not super impressed with it. He he cares about, like, his music, going to play outside. He likes going to the amusement park. He would live there if he could, you know. <laughs> he's pretty much focused on his his ideas these days. That sounds that like sounds... a seven-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> now, what about you? Now, what's your favorite part of blogging? Um, I would say it's, you know, interacting with other parents and, you know, sharing information and just the opportunities that, you know, have grown for Tom through there. Like, uh... I found out about a sports camp that's uh, just like two hours away from me at a university. And Tom has been participating in that for two years now. I get, this is his second year he went for a full week by himself, living in a dorm, you know, with assistance. But, um, you know, to be away from your parents wow. when you're six years old, I mean, I find that pretty impressive yeah, for a whole indeed. week. So he's just found a lot of really cool opportunities, got to do really cool stuff, you know, through the resources I've found through blogging. Pittsburgh has a blind hockey team. It does. He actually <laughs> got to, um, through that sports camp, they're affiliated with the Blind Penguins team. So uh, he got to go to the Mary Lemieux Sports Complex and get on the ice and try it out. Yeah, he, he really loved it. So... Um, we're thinking maybe in a year or two might be something he'd like to pursue. We'll see. Yep. Yeah. Ryan plays blind hockey. No, I tried once. No. <laughs> well, that counts. I went out once. <laughs> it didn't end well. No. <laughs> Ryan yeah, meet the boards. Boards meet Ryan. Yep. Right now, Tom is taking piano lessons and that's like, he's very into that. He's super into music. So Maybe hockey next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive sport. It's true. Yes. Yes, it is. Though I think they actually have uh, support from the um, Pittsburgh Penguins right. to help uh, defray some of the costs for families. So that's oh, really nice. awesome. Uh, so, and, and I guess he's almost getting ready to go back to school. Is that right? Yeah, he goes back on like the 29th. So just getting ready to get back into that school frame of mind. Is he, ex uh, well, is he like, is he excited or is he like me and just dreading it? <laughs> I think he's sort of excited to see his friends again, but like, I'm sure once he goes like, oh yeah, I forgot about the school part. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot I had to get up in the morning. What? Exactly. Now, is he the only blind student in this school? Um, he is the only one in the elementary school right now that's blind. They had a uh, high school student that was blind that was there throughout her whole, you know, educational career. And I think they, she just graduated and she was a cane user. I'm not sure if she read Braille. But um, so, yeah, they do have a little experience. Good. Yeah. And so down the road, are you, are, will he be getting a uh, maybe a guide dog? You know, if he wants one, he really likes dogs, so he may. We'll see. 
I'm more of a cat person. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Me too. <laughs> but we'll see. He'll get whatever he wants, of course. <laughs> now, does he know that yet? Does he know that, like, all I have to do is ask for a dog? Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm sort of going to work up to that because if I told him that now, I don't think I'd ever hear the end of it. That's right. Well, we won't tell him either, and I'm sure he won't be listening to the podcast. So you're, you're safe. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll keep that in, under our hat for a couple more years if we can. See, it is too bad they don't have guide cats. <laughs> They'd constantly yeah. be wandering into traffic. That's right. Um, <laughs> or sleeping he, he would just be so not interested. We have a cat, and he could, like, care less. Like, it's like a pillow to him. He just <laughs> has no interest. Now, you said Tom was taking piano. How How is he being taught music? Um, He first started taking uh, percussion lessons. We did uh, music together. So that's like the kid music classes where, you know, sit in a circle and clap along and play little, you know, little hand instruments together. And uh, the teacher was like so impressed with how he could like find the backbeat, and, you know, was always on rhythm, always on time. And he would get like super upset when the other kids were just playing around because he was like, all right, this is music time. Let's get <laughs> be professional people. Come on. Exactly. He was like oh, amateurs, you know. <laughs> so uh, she was like really insistent, like you, you need to make sure you can get him in classes. And we tried, but it was very hard to find someone I mean, we talked to a lot of people and they're like, oh, we feel like maybe in a couple years we could help him. And then we finally hooked up with a um, an elementary music teacher who had worked with kids who were disabled. And he said, like, oh, yeah, I'd be more than happy. And because we wanted to make sure it was someone who wanted to work with him, not someone who, like, you know, was doing it because they, they felt they had to or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. And this was a guy who really was excited to work with Tom. And like he actually came to observe him in that other music class and was like, yeah, I would love to work with this kid. So uh, we worked with that guy for, you know, about a year. And um, he started having some health problems. And uh, then we were looking for someone new. And in our area, there opened up a place called Special Notes. And this is a woman who teaches uh, piano and other instruments to um, children of all abilities. So um, that has been great. She has been like so supportive of Tom. And, you know, she just is very interested in helping develop him. And he has, he's been really good at it. And I think it'll be good for, you know, his Braille as well. Now, is she teaching now, she, him to, to read Braille music? Um, we're just sort of playing by ear right now, I think. Right, right. Um, she was very excited that he loves the sound of music, so he already like knew the scales a little bit. So he had sort of like an understanding, even just a rudimentary one, from loving that music so much. And um, I don't know, I am not musical myself, my husband is, and they tell me he's like finding middle C and he can, you know, he knows when he's off key and he can get back on it. So, I mean, he's, he's finding his way and he's really loving it. What's something crazy interesting about you, Jessica, that we haven't asked you about? Well, I could tell you that my husband has always been in metal bands and we're huge fans of metal. Really? And Tom is not. <laughs> this at is, all. See, this is interesting. <laughs> really? Tom okay, so it. what's your favorite metal band? Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, um, top two. 
I would say I really love Faith No More. Very good. And um, let's say Danzig is a classic. See, I, I would not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that. That's going in the show notes as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, where can people find the blog? It is thomasmarshalldoesitall.com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook. Perfect. And again, we'll we'll link to those on, in the show notes as well. I, I, we think you're doing incredible work. Um, thanks so much for contributing to the community and giving people a place to go to find out more uh, about the condition and more about just life in general, raising uh, a blind child. Great. Thanks so much. It was nice talking to you guys. All right, Jessica. Good talking to you too. Take care. All right. Take on. care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Wow, a metalhead. Rock on. Mm -hmm. Rock on. Really? <laughs> no caninus? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only metal band that you know. It's because you brought it up. You're such a, you're Mr. Glenn Campbell. Nope. 80s. Are you? Is, yeah. 80s is my, my favorite music. Well, there's 80s metal. Yeah. What about yeah. Slayer and Led Zeppelin? Uh, no. Led not Zeppelin. Led, not Led Zeppelin. Uh, Def Leppard, rather. Oh, those were kids no, were metal. Though. That's hair bands. Yeah, those are. <laughs> you grew up in North Vancouver, clearly. <laughs> what the hell? It's Jeff true, Leopard is metal. Lover boy. <laughs> <laughs> Harlequin <laughs> head pins. <laughs> yep. Um, Metallica. Yeah, see, Metallica was metal. That would yeah. have been considered uh, '80s metal. Ozzy. Yep. Uh, Black Sabbath. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that was interesting. That was, uh, you know, doing some important work over there. It's, uh, I don't know, I, it's fascinating. Like, I, I think that blogging is such, can be such an important um, aspect of of community. Um, you know, I, I love blogs like hers. You know, I hate a lot of other blogs because I feel like people abuse the blogging, the blog sphere. Well, if you're looking for some, you know, specific type of content, you know, a blog like hers is, is quite relevant to your eye condition if that's something you're looking for. So she's got a lot of good information there, whereas other people just, you know, ramble and rant and, you know, that's their blog. You know, yeah. hers is quite informative. And well, and, you know, and, and she brought up a great point about, you know, when you when the you look up the a lot of these eye conditions and all you find are just, the, here are the symptoms, here's the prognosis, here's, mm -hmm. you know, it's all just very medical and very impersonal. Uh, it, it really doesn't give you the information that you might necessarily be after if you're a, a, a mom of a, of a newborn that's, that has one of these conditions. So, well, even when I first lost my sight and, you know, from my car accident, the agencies basically told my parents, you know, make a room for him. He's not going to be able to con contribute to society. He's, he's blind. He's going to be living with you guys the rest of his life. And what? Yeah. They told you that? Uh -huh. who, who told your parents that? Like uh, ICBC here? No, no, no. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the agencies just... That's crazy. Agencies just don't... I guess they don't see the big picture, right? They don't really put big expectations on a person's outcome. They kind of yeah. look at the situation as it is and go, okay, well, this is it. This is where he's at. This is where he's going to be. Take him home. Well, hopefully they're better now. I hope so. You know, I really hope so. There's a lot more out there now for people. 
especially in the larger cities and communities, you know, where I was, there was no services. Right. You know, and I it, got Braille once a month. I got O&M once a month. Jeez. You know, it, you're not going to learn anything yeah. and grow when you're getting Braille for an hour a month. Yeah, that's why these services are so important. Yet, you know, they just, you know, in so many provinces, they're just, they're cutting back on these services and more and more. And that's, we need to go the other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they're defunding them. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the provinces don't pay enough money to, you know, yeah. agencies like CNIB who are actually out there providing services. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. And, and especially, you know, this equipment that, that is just, it's crucial for, for people to, to learn Braille or to just function day to day. And it's, the cost is so prohibitive for, you know, somebody who's just, you know, making well, ends meet or even middle class people who can exactly. afford a $12,000 device. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you're working, have a full-time job, you know, you're looking at, Two, three, four thousand dollars for a braille printer. Yeah. Add a screen reader on top of that, a braille display, OCR software. You know, you're up around eight, nine grand now. Like that's a chunk of change. Yeah, yeah, and especially when the, you know, when the technology is is moving at a pace where it all that stuff needs to be replaced in three, four years. Well, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Stuff like braille technology. You know, that hasn't really changed in 50 years, 40 years, you know, since those Braille cells have been around. Why is that? Right. There's got to be a better technology out there. Well, and there is, and that's why, you know, I sort of alluded to when we were talking to Jessica, and remind me, Steve, because you're the one that kind of is the expert on this, but what's this new type of of Braille uh, technology that's going to let them lower the price? Well, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure because I've never had my hands on it, but I have a suspicion of what it is. Okay, uh, go. Um, I, I believe it's a it's based around a circular wheel where you've basically got the various combinations of dots um, on, on different faces, and it just turns to the correct face for whatever character or whatever half of a character it's making. So you would have two wheels side by each. The first wheel would do your dots one through three. The second wheel would do your dots uh, four through six. Now that's my, that's my guess. So we need to get an orbit and take it apart. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, have, now has the orbit come out yet, or is it is this still in development hell? Uh, it's still in development, uh, so far as I know. Yeah, uh, I the saw rumor something. was that it was supposed to start shipping. I think this month, or, yeah. ne- or early next. Because I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I saw some on Twitter. I think APH is getting there soon. It was supposed to be out last fall. Yeah, it's been it's been so it's been delayed, delayed a long ways. Yeah. And what does that retail for? I think it's five hundred dollars. Yeah. So, man, if they can if they can make a go of that, it's going it to mean a huge difference to a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Braille for the masses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All hey, right. Ryan. Rob, don't f- us up. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Rob. <laughs> where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. They can also email us if they desire atbanterpodcast at gmail.com uh, where else can they find us I wonder Steve where can people find us He's out of well practice. let me see gosh it's been a while so I'm going to say they can get us on the Facebooks that's correct uh, they can get us on the tweeters that's correct uh, YouTube YouTubes yeah there we go In- Instagram eh, yeah I guess no. Yeah, no, not maybe really, though no. We've, you're not posting anything Instagram so. yeah, but Instagram is it's, it's a yeah, failed thing it no is failed cares. yeah 
What are we? What are we? What are we going to post? Yeah, honestly, just like another picture of us. <laughs> yeah, believe me, folks, you don't <laughs> want them that. again. That's right. Yeah, you don't yeah, want. I mean, yeah. we did take a lot of pictures that day, but you believe me, you, do, you don't want to see them. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks everybody for listening. I have been Rob Minow. And I've been Ryan Fleury. And I'm pretty sure I'm still Steve Barkley. And we will see everybody next week. Ciao. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. <laughs>